we'll take our scripture reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 16. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 16. And I read, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayers. I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Verse 13, when I shut up the heaven so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the, their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. 16, I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Amen. Amen. We thank God for his word, the man of God who will be bringing us the word today. I, I, I've personally worked with him for some time on some youth programs. He's a very wonderful man and a sound teacher of the word. Um, he's currently serving as the director for Christian education and family life in the church. And he also doubles up as the youth pastor at Adabraka. His name is Reverend Felix Owusu. So Father, we come today to hear you speak to us, to hear you exhort us, to hear you, Father, instruct us, to hear you direct us. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we will not rely on experience we will not rely, Father, on past glories. We pray in the name of Jesus, let what we receive today, let it be fresh. Give us the grace to receive from you. We pray in the name of Jesus that all arguments will bow to your authority. All, all power, O oh Lord, will give way to your word. And I pray, Father, as your word come, O oh God, back it with your power. And may we be transformed by it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Can you take your seat? Can you take your seat? I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Fred, a senior pastor, for uh, loaning me the pulpit to come and share the word of God with you. Uh, please help me to applaud him and say thank you to him for me. God bless you. I speak. And I salute you, Dr. Bote, and then uh, my brother, campus pastor, uh, Pastor Kinsley, and all the pastors here. I uh, want to say I salute all of you. And God bless you, Dickens. Uh, you are duly acknowledged. And all of us, welcome to the presence of God. Amen. All right, so this year we've been looking at the fact that uh, we'll be resolute in our faith. And so we will have unshakable faith. And no circumstance uh, along the way as we go along this year will shake us. And it's as if God is so prophetic to inspire our senior pastor and inspire leadership to bring us this, what, team. As if he knew something would be happening in March or April, or July, or June, or something may come along uh, the year 2020 that may shake the faith of his daughter or his son. And so he's given us this thing 
that where some way somehow prophetically we can know what is ahead and be prepared for it. And so we'll resolve that come rain, come shine, whatever the situation may be, we will still not do what? Give up on our God. Hallelujah. And we, want to, we are saying we will, not, we will not give up on our God because we have an unshakable God. A God who shakes things but can never be shaken. And that is the God we serve. And if our God is that huge, that big, then we will not be shaken. Praise the Lord. And so no matter what will come our way, no matter what we may be facing, no matter what will happen in the office, no matter what will happen at home in the marriage, no matter what we will face in the corporate circle, they will not separate us from the love of God. And that is all we're seeking to, to say and to do this year. And that is why the first quarter we say that ah, it is worth praising this amazing God. So praise the unshakable God. The God who never gets shaken. Nobody can move him. Nobody can share his power with him. Nobody can take power from him. And nobody can hand over power to him. And that is the God we're talking about. And we've been looking at various topics uh, until this morning. Last week we looked at the fact that uh, there is a place for prayer when you have to relate with this God. Or prayer happens to be one of the main uh, modalities or medium through which we reach God. And we did establish the fact that uh, in all the things we will do and we will face, let's understand that prayer changes things. And so, if you call yourself a believer and you perceive God as your God, then you must, of a necessity, seek to relate with him daily. So, the, the, the one of the cardinal means that we relate with God is through prayer. Hallelujah. And last week, uh, Dr. Botte uh, did expansion uh, on what exactly prayer is all about. And one of the key things that came out of the, that, that reflection is of the fact that prayer is a form of communication uh, with God. And so when I wake up and I say I am praying, I, what I'm saying is that I am communicating with God. And that presupposes that I go to him, I speak to him, and he speaks back to me. And I, I tell him what I want, he tells me what I'm supposed to do. And when I do that constantly, and I communicate with him, and do all the necessary things that is required, then we'll say, well, we are all communicating with God. And it's the, the doctor says that it must be done anywhere and anytime. And uh, it, it must also be done by everyone, the rich, the poor, the small, the big, the illiterate, every, everybody. As many who are called by his name, they are supposed to come to God in prayer. And so I propose that the goal of prayer should be to keep a constant fellowship and relationship with God. And so prayer transcends just coming before God and talking. Prayer is not just talking. You have to, when as a believer, you have to resolve that daily. When you wake up, you go to God and communicate with him. The same way when you go out and you come back and you think your wife is too quiet, your husband is too quiet, and now you, what, you start, you, what you start doing is to begin to think, oh, did I do something on Monday? Did I do something on Tuesday? Did I do something on Wednesday? Did I do something on Friday? Or what did I even do this morning? Why is my wife so quiet? Why is he not talking to me? And we are worried that our spouses are not talking to us. The same way you should picture the fact that when as a believer, you wake up in the morning and you just walk out of the house without spending time with God, no matter how long or small, and, and communicating with him, you should be thinking that God may be feeling sad. 
the same way your spouse, or you yourself, you may be feeling spouse because you feel your spouse is giving you a silent treatment. So, believers also give God silent treatment. Sadly. But may the Lord deliver us today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, prayer transcends just talking. And so, Billy Graham says that we are to pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We are to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. And this alone should tell you that prayer is not a preserve of just a few, but as many who are called by his name or who perceive themselves as children of God must of a necessity constantly, daily, go before the Lord, communicate with him and pray to him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So why do we pray or why should we pray at all? And I suggest that we pray because God has decided to use the medium of prayer to accomplish his purposes in our life. And that is why he will always tell us that we should come to him or, and, and, and he is ever ready to hear us anytime we come to him. He's ever ready to spend time and have fellowship with us. Tell us what we're supposed to do. Give us instruction. So I go to him in the morning. He is able to give me a glimpse of what will happen at 11 o'clock. Or he's able to prepare me, grant me capacity and grace to be able to withstand what may come my way at 1 o'clock. Hallelujah. So we understand that in the realms of uh, God's sovereignty, he can decide to answer or do things for us even if we do not pray. But if we will have to communicate with God, tell God something and God will tell us something, he has decided that the medium of prayer should be the avenue which he will communicate with us. Hallelujah. And so that is the one reason why we should pray. They say, call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not even know. Hallelujah. We are so limited. And number two reason why we should pray is because of the news we hear every day. The things we hear that depresses us should cause us to want to pray. Hallelujah. And so when you buy the fuel, and now the gauge is still at the same place. And you are tempted to hit the dashboard thinking there's something wrong with your gauge. It is a reason for you to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we are all supposed to do what? Our children are supposed to be learning now. We've, we bought all the provision and everything was intact. We sent them to school. And they have finished eating the provision and everything. And school has still not started. It's a reason for you to pray. Hallelujah. When you, look, you hear all the things around, what is happening in Burkina Faso, what is happening in Mali, all the banter around, the pressure all over, the, these are all reasons why we will not fold our hands and, and keep quiet. But we have to pray. Demonstration today, demonstration tomorrow, all kinds of argument, uh, perspectives are all going. These are reasons for us to do what? To pray. It is not for us to join the complaining wagon and, and be bastardizing people complaining, doing all kinds of things that we are not supposed to do. So you go to an average office or an average home, you cannot, the, the unbelievers are complaining the same way, the believers are also complaining the same way. We must dare to let them know that they can trust God. There is a God, no matter what may be happening, God is able to deliver us. Praise the Lord. So we need to pray at all times. Another reason why we should pray is because Prayer helps us to be aligned with God's will. So he tells us to pray so that we will not do what? Enter into temptation. 
prayer changes us. Through prayer, we are able to discern the will of God faster. Can you imagine if your flesh is up, it's difficult for you to be on a certain wavelength to be able to decode what God is saying to your life or about your life. So it is so critical. As many, many of us or all of us who do pray, you realize that when you pray more, the, the, the appetite and the things you crave for, you pray more, you study the Bible more, your appetite for the things you crave for are different when you don't pray. The mistakes sometimes are even different. So sometimes you go to the office, you don't do too much mistake because probably you fired a lot in the morning. And there are times you walk out of the house and just go to the office and you cannot tell why today is like this. Why you are feeling the way you are feeling. You cannot tell why everybody is against you. You cannot tell why uh, so many things are not falling in place. Probably you've not been with the Lord in the morning. Hallelujah. Prayer helps us to deal with our appetites and desires. Prayer prunes off the flesh and tunes us to hear the voice of God. No wonder when Jesus went and after praying and the devil came and tempted him. And all the temptation that the devil brought his way, he was able to surmount. I am sure he was so charged up. There is no way anything of the flesh could penetrate him. Because at that time, he was so much alert. Hallelujah. So prayer, here bounces says that prayer makes a godly man and puts within him the mind of Christ. The mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of pity, and of prayer. If we really pray, we will become more like God. Hallelujah. If we really pray, we will do what? Become more like God. Then the last one that we looked at last, last week is that prayer changes situation. And doctor help us uh, to look at that extensively. The fact that Elijah, who was just a man like us, he was not operating in any supernatural realm. He was a man like us. He prayed and trusted God to do things for a, a whole nation, not only even for his family. And yet still, uh, and God answered and changed the situation. And so Apostle James is asking anyone under the sound of my voice today, that is anyone in trouble, he should pray. She should pray. Is anyone having some difficulty? Is the work becoming difficult? Is your, is your son, is your daughter troubling you? Is the marriage going somewhere? Are you enduring? What is it that is happening to you? Is anyone in trouble? Let him pray. Let her pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with all in the, in the name of the Lord. And ask the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Hallelujah. It, it, it can go on and on and on and on and on. And that there are reasons why those who are called by his name, who profess the name Jesus, cannot just sit down without praying. And that brings us again to today's uh, passage that, yeah, if we want to pray, what should go into this prayer at all? And, and, and listening, those of us who listen to SP when he was praying, you could see him capture exactly the steps. Today's topic is steps in prayer. And if you listen to him carefully, he has captured all the steps uh, that we're supposed to look at and we'll look at briefly. But the story uh, was in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6. And the Bible said that there was time for them to dedicate the temple. And their leader, the king, King Solomon, led them. And the Bible says in the temple he decided to pray. He prayed to God and, and prayed a kind of generational prayer. Prayed to cover the past, prayed to cover the present, and even prayed about the things that are supposed to happen in the future. And, and the Bible said that after his prayer, 
Then when you come to chapter 7, the God was so moved that he dramatized the response that he gave even to Solomon. And I'm hoping that when all is said and done, and we come to this temple, and, and, we, and we lift up our hands about to dedicate this temple, we will experience the same encounter in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the Bible said that as they were preparing to bring sacrifices to God, suddenly fire came from above, consumed the sacrifices, and the whole auditorium was filled with, with the glory of God. And even the priests and the people could not even stand on their feet. The, the place was so concentrated with the presence and power of God. An atmosphere was created. Solomon and his people created an atmosphere for God to tabernacle himself with them. And that is what he's expecting and requiring from us to do in our closet, do at home, do in our offices. You need to create the, the presence that God can desire that ah, I want to dwell with this brother. I want to dwell with that my daughter or my sister. So Solomon and the people created that atmosphere and the Bible said that God descended in his power and majesty and the whole place was charged, saturated with his glory. And then they saw that and the people also responded again and the Bible said, he said, ah, this God is good. His love endures forever. And they responded, brought sacrifices unto him and they did all kinds of things for weeks. And the Bible said that again, God got provoked and they decided to appear to Solomon. And then and he appeared to him and gave him what we just read today. That if your people will continue to do the things you said I should do for you. And they will continue to abide in, in obedience, in humility. And they will constantly seek my face. And they will not be disobedient to me. And they will not abandon the faith. And they will be ready to abide by what I'll say. I will always look to Calvary as my place. A place to dwell. I'll always look to this temple as a place to dwell. Even when people are far away and they look to this temple, I'll be there to do what? To answer them. Hallelujah. So you realize that our prayers and sacrifices must move God and bring divine encounters in our life. And so you need, we, that's why we are examining how we pray and the things that should go into our prayers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need to create an atmosphere for God to dwell in. God does not dwell in filth. And so therefore, if we continue to indulge ourselves in sin and holiness do not mean anything to us, righteousness do not mean anything to us, and, and we are not mindful of our character, we are not inviting or creating the kind of atmosphere that God would like to come and dwell in. Hallelujah. And so therefore, to look at the steps in prayer, I, I just went back to some of the things they taught at in Sunday school. And they said, when you want to pray, you should do what? The acts, the principle or the concept of acts. The concept of acts, which is uh, adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so on a typical day, when you come before the Lord, you should be able to go through these steps for us to say that you have prayed enough to be able to move the hand of God to do things in your life. Hallelujah. And so when senior pastor was praying, he mentioned the fact that there are gods and, and, and they have eyes, but they cannot see. Right? There is a bigger God above all these gods. He mentioned the fact that we need to bring confession before him. That he mentioned thanksgiving. Then he went ahead to pray for the other nations and even pray for us. And that is what God expects us to do 
when we come to prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. And so the adoration simply just means that get to that point where you try or uh, try to exhort God, try to picture the big, how big God is. And that's what we're talking about. The hymn he spoke about. He is above all. He is the almighty. In our Sunday school, uh, we're looking at the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, it came out that some of the attributes are the fact that he is almighty, he is all-powerful, uh, he is the all-knowing God, he is all-sufficient God, and, and, and he is the beginning. In fact, he was before the beginning, and he will continue to exist even after the end. He is the infinite God. And that is the, the kind of God we're talking about. So when we come to prayer, we need to come and exalt the greatness of this God. When we come to prayer, we need to acknowledge our inadequacies and the God's, God's adequacy. That's what we're doing. When you are bringing adoration to him, that's what we are doing. This is where we magnify God, magnify his attributes, and we come with praise for who he is, not because of what he's done for us. Hallelujah. Can we celebrate this great and mighty God with a clap offering? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And so when you come to, sometimes the, the, the music people, they mislead us sometimes. They say we should come, for example, adoration. Then the person comes to sing. Then the first song he will raise is that, It's off, eh? And probably the person is raising that song because of the beat. It's slow. And we think that adoration is synonymous to slow songs or slow rhythms. Hallelujah. But someone will come before the Lord and say what? As many who can sing, let's sing it, let's try to get out. I chance on a video, a WhatsApp video, the last two weeks, and, and a woman of God was preaching, and he was saying that there are people approach God in two different ways when it comes to adoration. And he says that somebody comes when he's coming before the Lord and he's praying, the prayer is all complaint. I am the only one this. I am the only one suffering. You are not being fair to me, God. I, I was in this church before this man came, but you gave him a, a, a wife. You gave her a husband. I, and I'm still there. And the person is coming before the Lord and complaining. And the Bible says, the, the person says that, then God and his angels will say that, ah, this is my daughter coming to me and praying to me. What she needs is patience. What she needs is endurance. So let's release patience for him. Let's release perseverance. Let's release all the things that will help him to endure under adversity and hardship. Then he says that another person is coming. And before he even enters the auditorium, he begins to lift up the voice of God and say, Oh, Father, today I am coming. I am not coming to ask you anything. It is not because I need rent. It is not because I need school fees. It is not because I need anything. Because even what you did for me last two years, I have not finished thanking you. What you did for me last year, I have not finished thanking you. What you did for me last month, and even this month, I have not finished thanking you. 
Then he will come with thanksgiving, begin to sing to him. And the Bible said, the, the person said that as the person is singing, God will be thanking the feet and be enjoying all the praise, the appellation, and all the song he will be hailing to or she will be hailing on God. And then God will be provoked and say, ah, where is prosperity? Follow him. Where is good health? Follow him. Where is this? Follow him. Where is excellence? Follow him. Where is promotion? Follow him. Hallelujah. Two categories of people coming before the Lord with different kinds of adoration. And obviously when you come before the Lord and you, with, with all, you receive the answer. Is that not it? It's a garbage in what? Garbage out. May we be reoriented with how we come before the Lord. Pray and adore him. When is his adoration? It's adoration. I, I mean, we don't mix it with thanksgiving. And so an average church member, oh, let's adore God. Then he'll begin to thank God for the feast. He'll begin to thank God for this. He'll begin to thank God. When it comes to thanksgiving, let's all give God thanks. Then he say, okay, God, as we were saying, uh, I continue to say thank you to you. There are two different things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. May God grant us grace to be able to come with, with him, before him, with the right mindset. So I said that your philosophy and comprehension of God has a bearing on your outlook of life. So if you perceive God as a big person and capable of doing anything for you, you will have unshakable faith. But if you don't perceive God as the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the ancient of days, the self-sufficient, self-existing God, situations will come and you will fret. Hallelujah. So when we come before God, adoration is so critical. And when we say adoration, we are not saying count your blessings. We are not saying name them. Just you are worshiping God for who he is, not because of what he has done. Hallelujah. Then, so when you go to the, even the passage we read, when Solomon went before the Lord, he first of all says that, oh God, you are good. There is none like you. And when his father was preparing uh, all the materials and the things for him to come and build the temple, the Bible said that after they had given, David went before the Lord and decided to pray. And these are some of the things that should reflect in our prayer. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 29, 10, I said, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all. And that is why when the disciples also were telling Jesus, teach us to pray. And when he started teaching them, he says, the first thing you to pay attention to is to know that there is a big God. Therefore, you need to venerate him. Hallowed be your name. It's simply to say that venerate him. He is above everything. What you give to, give something higher to him than what you give to others. Than you give to a twofold, than you give to other people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so adoration is so critical and has the power and the potential of moving divinity to come to your aid. May the Lord help us to have this mindset all the days. Amen. Then the number two is the fact that we have to confess our sins. And the Bible says that when we come to him and we claim that we do not sin, we are just liars. We are just liars. And the truth of God is not in us. But when we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just 
to forgive us all our unrighteousness. And so when we come before the Lord, God is expecting us that to do what? To drop our self-righteous attitudes and be vulnerable before him. Uh, confession is a call to acknowledge our shortcomings. It is a call to do what? To turn away from our wicked ways and do what pleases him. And when we come before him to, in confession, we should be specific about what we are saying to him. And so we always say that when you offend your wife or somebody and you are going to ask for forgiveness, you, are, you don't say that I am sorry for what I have done. What have you done? Do you understand? What have you done? And so, sweetest, the way I spoke to you yesterday, uh, I, I'm convicted and I think I shouldn't have sp uh, spoken to you like that. So forgive me. Okay? I, 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 did, I should have come earlier. I should have thought about you, but I failed to think about you. So forgive me. You are specific on the things you are asking for forgiveness for. So in the same way you come before the Lord, uh, you, you should be specific. Okay? Tell God that yesterday in the office, the way my secretary put the things on vibration, and I looked at her and I lasted. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Be specific. Hallelujah. I was mean, God. I was mean to my wife. I was mean to my husband. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. I, I should have paid my tithe. I didn't pay. I, I, I mean, I know. Two months have passed. Three months have passed. Lord, forgive me. I, I will not do that again. You prompted me to witness to that brother, to witness to that sister. And I didn't do it. Lord, have mercy. Forgive me. I will not do that again. We need to be specific when we come before God in confession. So we will not just generally come, oh, forgive me for the sins of commission and the sins of omission and then we are going. It's not like that. Hallelujah. Be specific. So God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, but confession is an act of humility. Coming before God and acknowledging that what I did or what I've done is not okay. I shouldn't do that again. And that is the condition. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then what? I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and do what? And heal their land. So it's not enough to just say forgive me. You must stop and desist from doing what that wrong thing, that sinful thing that you have been doing or that we have been doing. Hallelujah. And, and you know, we sometimes come so uh, self-righteous. Uh, if, if God should project all our thoughts and our, our hearts on the screen for us to say, you could realize that some people may even be saying that, ah, ah this guy should have been here to hear this sermon. We always think that it's for somebody and that is the kind of self-righteous attitude that Jesus spoke about in the parable. And in Luke chapter 18, from verse 9 to 14, he said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went into prayer. And the Bible said that one of them said, Ah, as for me, the way there was no hole in my tithe from January to December. I'm so clean. I'm so much in good standing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so therefore, God, you need to do X, Y, Z. Listen to me. Even me, I am not like that task collector. I am not like that pure water seller. I am not like that watcher seller. I, I am not. I, am, I dress well. I, I come before you well. I do all the things I'm supposed to do. Hallelujah. Self, I, when you come before God in confession, it is not for us to puff up. 
That is where we need to be vulnerable. Get, I mean, put down your gas and let God help us to be able to do what we're supposed to do. Hallelujah. And the third one is the thanksgiving, of course. Praising thanksgiving is to praise God for what he has done for us. This is where we count our blessings and name them one by one. It is an acknowledgement that whatever we are and whatever we will ever be is by the grace of God. And so in giving thanks, don't just come with words. Come with an offering as well. And you can see that clearly in the chapter that we've read. When God responded and consumed the offering, the sacrifices, and, and, and the whole auditorium was filled with the glory of God and the power was so concentrated and dense in the auditorium, the people responded and worshipped God and said, there is none like you. And they did not stop there. The Bible said they brought cattle. Even Solomon himself, the kind of thing he brought before the Lord was amazing. And the sacrifice could, took, could take them for about 15 days to be offered unto God. So they need to create a, a different space. Like today we would have said that the, the, they will, we will leave the amphitheater just specifically for what? Sacrifice. And that was what they did. Hallelujah. Respond with a heart full of gratitude. And this is where you begin to say that ah, if God had not given me the feast, if God has not helped me to complete the building, if God has not given me this car, if God has not given me this job, it is you who gave me this job. It is you who did that for me. It is you who gave me the healing. You took the fibro away. You took the this now away. I went into the theater, but I came back alive. And so, Lord, I want to say thank you to you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that is why you can say that, you've done so much for me, I cannot tell you all. That is why you sing some of this song. And then you worship God and sing about him and thank him for what he's done for you. The next one is a supplication. This is where we come to God with our struggles and requests. And so he himself has asked us to do what? We should come and ask and we'll be given. We should seek and we shall find. We should knock and we will, which the door will be open unto us. For anyone who asks, anyone who seeks, anyone who knocks, the door will be open unto him. And so Apostle Paul also reminded us that uh, when the issues are coming, when we need things, we should not just worry, we should not be complaining. And in Philippians chapter 4, it said, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in everything, not some of the things, in everything, because you not say that some of the things money can do. In everything, uh, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, he is ever ready to answer us. He is ever ready to give us what we want according to his will. Hallelujah. Give us this day our bre daily bread. That is all you need to do. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. And when we come to God in prayer, he is able to answer our struggle. That is why last week we looked at the fact that prayer changes what? Situation. In other words, we can say God uses prayer to change situation. And so when we go to him and we tell him what our issues are, he is able to handle it for us. So as we wrap up, I just want us again to be reminded of the fact that when we come to God in prayer, prayer must be done with the right motives and attitude. With the right motives and attitude. Always be intentional and deal with all possible distraction during prayer. Of course, you will always be tempted to answer the WhatsApp when the phone is with you, when you are praying. 
and communicating with God. I mean, it's, you'll be tempted. I mean, especially the ones that appear on the screen. Oh, this one is for my boss. It's very important. I need to answer it. And so, if you want to have time with God, special time for that matter, put the distractions aside. Some people, TV can be on and they are praying. Yeah. Deal with all the distractions. A prayer that brings answers should be based on the word of God. So, you cannot divorce the word from prayer. Because we need to quote God's word back to him. You said this and that and that and that. Like when Solomon was praying, he said, this is what you said to my, my father, David, that you were going to do. This one has been written down. And now I can see that it's been fulfilled. Hallelujah. So we need to base our prayer on the word. And we must also understand, finally, that personal relationship with the Lord is a prerequisite for getting help from him. Personal relationship uh, with the Lord is a prerequisite for getting help from him. He said, those who are called by my name, those that I have a relationship with, and so you are here, you do not know the Lord as your savior, you've not accepted him before, you can't say you are a child of God, you are not even sure where you will spend eternity when you die. It all just simply means that you are not called by his name, you don't have a relationship with him. But as many who are called by his name, but that is the starting point, the starting point is the fact that you should be able to have an encounter with Christ and, and hit your chest and say, I am a child of God. And then, you, after that, you subject yourself to be discipled. Disciple. When you say, come to church, you come to church. Read your Bible, you read your Bible. Pray, you pray. Come to prayer meeting, you come to prayer meeting. Give, you give. Come to Shifu and all the fellowship meetings that we're supposed to go to, you come. Then we say that you are being discipled. But the first starting point is that encounter. And I pray that you are under the sound of my voice. And every day you have been postponing your salvation. You have been postponing your deliverance. I pray and beseech you today that make a decision for him. I pray that from today, God will revitalize our life. Our prayer life and everything about us will change. That when we speak to him, he will answer. But remember that ours is to pray. And it is his prerogative to decide where he wants to answer. May the Lord bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>